This is not complicated, just green. Welcome to another podcast episode of Common Sense for Construction, bridging the information gap to help you reach a brighter future in the built world. Today's episode is sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors, redefining the impact of great design, one client at a time. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design. Welcome, friends. I'm very excited to let y'all listen in on a conversation with Jimmy Mitchell and Jay Bassett, two members of the Advisory Board for Lifecycle Building Center, a nonprofit organization that offers a wide variety of reclaimed building materials that would otherwise be headed for the landfill. There's an exciting opportunity for you, the listener, to become involved and take action. Please enjoy. I'm, I'm a board member of Lifecycle Building Center. I work for Skanska. We're a construction company and just always love to try to engage and promote the reuse economy and salvaging materials on construction projects. Yeah, so I'm a advisory board member with Lifecycle Building Center and my background has been 15 to 20 years in what we call and has evolved to be now called the circular economy. So the idea is how do we look at materials and materials in the economy and keep them in the economy, not only for environmental benefits, but also as part of the economic well-being that it could provide, particularly for the communities that, um, that uh, for example, Lifecycle Building Center serves, which is their building capacity within those communities around secondary materials that also yield both um, social and economic benefits. So that's kind of my interest with this and, and uh, really excited to be here and be part of the conversation. Tell me about the event and its purpose and why you felt that this was the, the something that was necessary. Lifecycle has, uh, the last event was in 2019 and due to COVID, uh, haven't had a celebration annual event uh, since then. And so we are super excited to, to do one again. What's unique about this is it's gonna be at the Candida building at Georgia Tech, which uh, achieved the full certification of the Living Building Challenge. Lifecycle Building Center is a nonprofit partner who helped them accomplish that because there are 28 materials that have been salvaged. These are materials that are on the way to the landfill that are incorporated new again. Jay, how about you want to talk about some of the workforce development objectives? The other part of, again, as we talk about Lifecycle Building Center is what we call a community asset that serves communities. As we look at the Candida building and we look at the Eco Commons, which is the green infrastructure that supports the Candida building and its performance and those reuse of materials is, Part of what we're interested in is how do we take those kind of principles out and work within the communities that we're working with to make those accessible to them to do. And how we're doing that is through, we have a grant through the US EPA to bring together community organizations on a workforce development model. And the idea is if we wanna have more secondary materials coming through the center, right, and help drive that as both an organizational output as well as its sustainability and its business plan, we need to have a supply of materials that come through. And one of the impediments to making sure we have enough materials to come through and even policy is to have a ready trained workforce of people that understand both how to build for disassembly as well as disassembling buildings and materials to bring viable materials back in to the center that then can become materials that are accessible and can be given and, and accessible to the communities that's serving. And we want those folks that are developing those skills to come from the same communities that are gonna benefit 
the receipt of those materials. So we're kind of building this again, this idea of circular. In there, we're hoping, and we've talked about this, of entrepreneurships and other new businesses that can help folks like in the Grove Park area be able to do improvements to their homes. Yeah, and I love it. You know, we're branding the name Reclaiming for Our Future. So you can see that that future includes these new businesses, anything to do with the, with this, the reuse economy, and policy as well. So anybody might touch policy on this type of thing as well. Yeah. What are some of the opportunities that are going to come about from this, this event? What are you hoping to, to generate? Well, awareness for uh, the reuse economy. I think it's a real industry that uh, we're just scratching the surface on. I also want to communicate the carbon impacts of reuse. So I did a study in the Candida building. For every pound of waste that we diverted from the landfill by reusing it with local reuse materials, we avoided a, a pound and a half of CO2 emissions. So it's an industry that as we promote it and we create jobs, we will also be lowering the, the embodied carbon of our industry as we extend the life cycle of these materials. And I think, you know, just to touch on that, Drawdown Georgia is a good example of that. They have a material impact area for a carbon statewide carbon reduction strategy, and reuse has a significant role on both what they call carbon and beyond carbon, which is an economic social impact, right, that we can show through keeping these materials, for example, in you know, circulating back into buildings, you know, as they always say, the greenest building is one that's already built, right? right. <laughs> yeah. So if we can either reuse materials or adaptively reuse and by bringing in those secondary materials, we're not only doing an environmental thing, but we're also providing value back into the communities we're trying to serve. So that's the other piece I want to mention is value. We think of the business model as just being purely around the value of the materials, but there's also a value back into how does Lifecycle Building Center and these secondary materials help Atlanta housing, help their landlords do better housing efficiency for the tenants that they're providing housing for through those materials that then result in lower energy bills for the tenants that got a, you know that are leasing these properties? Right now, there's a Atlanta housing made this point. There's an issue with people. They can't afford to stay in this housing, not because of the rent, but because of the utility bills. So we got to look for some systematic ways to do that. So we can build capacity through Lifecycle Building Center and these secondary materials to do that. So how do we tell that story of that valuation that goes beyond just the value of the materials? I love the principles that you guys are, are working with. When you look to the future and the impact that you hope that this can make, what are the possibilities that you think that this can generate? One thing that I'm super proud of as someone who was you know, there from the beginning is what I did not know was going to happen. And I think that is in the DNA of Lifecycle Building Center. The mission is rooted in this uh, you know, repurposing of materials, but it really uh, is there for others to have their own creativity. And so I don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but as Jay mentioned earlier, maybe there's an entrepreneur that comes about and so I'm excited to hear that story and see where Lifecycle helps them salvage some material that they can then repurpose and generate their own wealth from. I think, I think it's the unknown that I'm most excited about. Part of this um, grant I had mentioned is we're developing what we call a community reuse toolkit in partnership with a national organization called Build Reuse. And as we looked at and started collecting data on the reuse economy, we were really surprised. We thought that as we look across the U.S., this idea of this, I'll call it infrastructure, of these reuse facilities, that it was pretty small. We thought uh, Build Reuse has 90 members, 
But when we looked and we started looking at the, these centers throughout the, the nation, and we were going to collect data, we found out that we have, we've identified 1,290. So when we start talking about economic impact at the community level, we've already got an infrastructure of 1,290 of these facilities. Part of what we're interested in here is how do we take and do this economic conversation, not just upon the value of the materials, but what does it mean for thriving communities, and package this and really help boomerang the 1,290 centers that are already out there doing this work, as well as building that capacity nationally. And these are things like some of the big entities like Ellen MacArthur on real circular economy would have a real interest in, maybe bringing some other investments into that. So we're trying to really drive some visibility in that here in Atlanta, but this model has national implications on economic development with at the community level around reuse which is also a carbon reduction strategy. Who are you hoping would get involved in this? And what are the different ways that people can get involved? Anybody who wants to partner with Lifecycle, we're here for that. I think that's one thing that the agenda of reuse is so early on. Share your ideas and we can provide partnerships. A lot of the benefit of the, of the store itself, the sales, is people who live in the zip code of the warehouse. They're refurbishing their communities I think I think one of the big things we, we you know we're worried about in, in the community is like somebody for example somebody who's elderly and they need to maintain their their home and they can't afford to. Well, with the Lifecycle Building Center, you have the option to uh, you know modernize your house and fix that window or that door and be able to afford to do it. And you mix that with strategies to lower utility bills, and you know we can add some real longevity and keep keep people in their homes. Yeah, and I want to add, you know, from a workforce development viewpoint, you know, part of this is we've already got a working coalition of 14 community organizations. So what I want to say here is it's not about Lifecycle Building Center. It's about these 14 communities of which Lifecycle Building Center is part of activating what they want to do. Hmm. So when we look at workforce development, right, and we talk about deconstruction and materials, it may be that the, the, the youth and the kids that come out that get exposed to this, they may not go into the building trades. They may be going into um, health care or other things where they can take those skills as part of how we deliver health care. It could be that they become the next future of what we call facility management professionals, right? So we've got facilities all around Atlanta right. that have to be managed professionally that we're embedding these skills around understanding materials mm -hmm. as part of their critical skills around thinking about sustainability in the occupations they do. So the broader vision of this in these communities, and I think it's Daryl Haddock with Westside Watershed Alliance that's really got it, it's how to get kids exposed to these things that they can take them, whether it's they're doing facility management career pathways, maybe as a future engineer and architect at Georgia Tech around these principles, they have an understanding of ecology, right. what we see with the green infrastructure, as well as you know materials, they take into the next generation of engineers and architects around regenerative design. That's the broader piece in this, is when these kids can then come back to these communities and these thriving communities to live, they have now have the skills and abilities not only to participate in that, but also have a, a stronger voice at the table. So that's why we also have the city of Atlanta as, as a partner in this, right? Because we want to make sure we're, we're linking to those delivery of those city services 
that you know deal as, as we've talked about things around equity and some cultural relevance as we work on this concept of community development. Talk to me about the sponsorship opportunities that exist and, and who can get involved and, and what that would look like. Yeah, for the event, um, the uh, the corporate sponsorships range from you know one thousand dollars up to twenty five thousand, and it, it, there's various levels of engagement. You know, honestly. Um, just getting involved, period. It's great to hear the stories of the community, be a part of that. When you hear them, I think you find ways that your own your own business uh, can get involved. Part of what I'm interested in this, for example, right now is, um, say, Truist. They're interested in looking toward their future of their business model here around about more people that can use and utilize, you know, banking and investment services. They would have an interest in this because it's... Um, you know, they're looking for taking people out of these communities and get them engaged in higher wage occupations anyway. Mm-hmm. So part of what we've done is, for example, we just had this conversation with um, Georgia Tech Scheller School of Business of introducing this conversation within corporate entities and corporate social responsibility programs that are interested in community development, workforce development. We, we're hoping to bring them into this conversation in October as part of this journey we're on. It's going to be great because in the quarter one of next year, we will launch this workforce development program that the, the EPA helped seed. And so that October event will be a great time for some of the industry partners to dive a little bit deeper into uh, engaging with that uh, workforce development program, hiring folks, and kind of seeing where it can go. And we're hoping that, you know, part of this for some of those, you know, partners is that Look, everyone is looking for, if you look at the water industries right now, water professional, right, 40% of water utility folks are going to retire. Uh, facility management, it's around 50%. So our part of this, and even for Scanza that might say, hey, we need to do some self-performance work and we want to have that capability of being able to bring folks that have a, some critical skills on these things that they can hire and develop in either trades or blue to white collar occupations that um, would that, you know, kind of fit their interests. So, you know, we're, we're being a little bit broad. We're narrowed down on deconstruction mm-hmm. and secondary materials, knowing that in the end, that's going to be one piece of a puzzle, probably end up doing some work through, say, the water tower, which has been, um, um, in essence, charged by the Water Professional Association of Georgia of bringing new people into the water trades and water utilities, of being able to add that component in addition to green buildings and, and, you know, how do we take ecological and industrial ecology and bring it together as part of how we do design. We're looking at scalability Mm -hmm. as well. Let's talk about the timeline. When is the event and then work back to when is uh, earliest that people can get involved and signed up? Yeah, the event is Tuesday, October 18th, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Candida Building. It's on Georgia Tech's campus. The uh, registration is launching um, this Friday, August the 5th. There is a link available to register individually. In addition to that, we will be asking for a lot of corporate sponsorships, which will get admission as well. One of those two avenues, either uh, registering on the Eventbrite link or through sponsorship. October event is just a starting point of conversation that, you know, we, we can all work better together, right, where we're pulling all the oars together to meet our mutual and shared interest around this vision. And we're hoping that this is the start of others on this journey as well, uh, with the event being a place to start having those conversations.
and finding where we can align. There's already some structure in place for doing this at the community level. We just want to bring others into the journey. So what is the link and what are the websites and what should people search? So lifecyclebuildingcenter.org, there is an event tab, and from there you can uh, see the uh, registration link or the sponsorship packet. Yeah, and I would say, just add on, you know, come on down to the Lifecycle Building Center. Um, meet the people, meet the staff, see how it operates, have a conversation with some of the folks, you know, Philippe and some of the folks that run that operation. So it gives you an on-the-ground look. The building itself is a cathedral. It's over 100 years old. And we didn't realize we we're getting this at the time because it's not a part of our mission. But the, the reuse nonprofit has been reusing a 100-year-old building, and uh, it's cool to see. It's a lot of fun to walk around there. You never know what you're going to find around every corner. <laughs> yeah. It really has so many different things. Yeah, it's a community asset that, and I'll just speak from a former EPA person, that there are other programs that help this. The Brownsfield program, that building wouldn't be where it is today if they didn't come in and do and provide funding to do the environmental assessment so they could turn into this community center and community hub it's become. If you look at that model, right, it's public spend, philanthropic spend, and a little bit of private equity that's making that happen. And it's just undergone some recent changes, right? You guys have just worked on some renovations. Yeah, right? we had a $3.5 million campaign that has uh, finished up. The project's almost done. There's just a couple of finishing touches. So, yeah, I mean, it's great because, uh, you know, we're up to, up to code. You know, we've got water protection in there. Um, and uh, it was a great partnership with the city as long as we're uh, getting to that end, which we've, we've done now. So, um it is amazing what has happened over the past decade uh, with that facility and that project. And we'll be celebrating that as well, uh, likely next year. That, that'll be coming for next year's celebration. For folks that might be listening, the EPA Brownsfield program maybe is misunderstood a little bit. Everyone thinks that this kind of money for environmental assessment for these kind of facilities or potential community assets, you know, it has to be like associated with a, you know, a hazardous waste problem or... Um, a regulated entity and it's not it's you know it could be lead-based paint it could be asbestos all these typical things that are part of old structures that we want to you know adaptively reuse that's money that's available and capacity that's available to all nonprofits to take advantage of in cooperation with maybe a city or municipality um, in terms of um, you know managing these properties that just have no economic value that to all of a sudden become this valued community asset and place of bringing people together. It says a lot that you guys aren't just promoting it and talking about it, but you're walking the walk, that you're in a building that is actually executing these <laughs> principles. Absolutely. I think it's a great example of what I talk about. We're looking for future partners. Come, come to the table with ideas and the mission is there for us. Thank you for joining us, friends, for another serving of common sense. This was not complicated, just green. Sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors. Redefining the impact of great design, one client at a time. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design.